Broadcasting live from the North Fulton Business Radio X studio, it's time for To Your Health with Dr. Jim Morrow. To Your Health is brought to you by Morrow Family Medicine, an award-winning primary care practice, which brings the care back to health care. Good afternoon. This is Dr. Jim Morrow, and I am with Morrow Family Medicine. We have offices in Cumming and Milton, Georgia. At Mar Family Medicine, we believe that you deserve to be seen when you need us, not when it's convenient for us. So there's never a day you can't be seen at Mar Family Medicine. You just use our walk-in hour any weekday morning from 730 to 830, and we will get you in and get you out as quickly as possible. We're here today for another episode of To Your Health, and we're excited about doing this. Um, I wanted to let everybody know that you can reach out to me with questions or comments or topic suggestions for a future episode by email or on Twitter. The email address is drjim at toyourhealth.md. So it has a little odd extension on the end. It's MD. And on Twitter, I am at toyourhealthmd. So that's two ways you can get questions, comments, anything you might want to share with us uh, to the show. And we appreciate you listening. Uh, today, I want to talk to people about depression. Uh, it's a topic that I, I have a discussion with at least one patient every single day that I work, and usually multiple patients. It's a very common problem. It's a very important problem, and if you're dealing with this, you need to know what it is you need to do to get better so that you can feel, as I tell most people, quote, more like yourself, end quote. So, People in general have, a, have their own idea of what depression is. And in many cases, uh, it's correct, but only in a very narrow definition of depression. So I guess first, we need to define depression in the clinical sense, because it's not just being sad. That's not just what depression is. Depression can be present if you are overly or unnecessarily sad. There's no question about that. But people I see who are depressed are much more frequently mad than they are sad. Uh, also, they may be tired, uninterested in usual hobbies or pleasure-seeking things that they've done in the past. It might be getting together with friends or uh, having sex or engaging with anyone in any way in their surroundings. A lot of times people who are depressed are loners. They're, uh, they're seen as being uh, set off by themselves a lot, uh, then people might think that they just don't enjoy being around people, and at the moment, they probably don't. But most people that come to see me when they're depressed don't come in and say, hey, I'm depressed. They're much more likely to have a wide variety of complaints. Uh, the most common one is irritability. I said they're more frequently mad than sad, and easily irritated or irritable is really what I mean by that. They make mountains out of molehills. They may have trouble focusing. And like I said, they don't engage or are not interested in hobbies and things that they've enjoyed. So this is a, a good example of how people might feel and how they might act when they are depressed. Some people are sent in because their spouse sees that they're irritable. And I tell patients all the time, if, if, if there are many times through the day or even the week, when you think to yourself, wow, man, why did I react like that? Then you're very likely depressed because that means that something has happened. You've overreacted to it. You've realized in a short period of time probably that you did overreact to it. 
And if you're thinking many times, man, why'd I react like that? Then you need to talk to someone about the possibility that you're depressed. So there are many, many different forms that this can take. And as I've already explained, if you feel like this might be something that's going on with you, you need to see a doctor. You need to have this conversation with him or with her. One of the things everybody wants to know is, why am I depressed? Very often, it's people who have the good life, if you will. It's not always people that are going through all kinds of turmoil. Uh, It's not, not that way by any means. So depression occurs, the, the, the chemical and medical reason for depression is it occurs when the level of the neurochemicals in your brain, the thing that makes you act and react and function like yourself, these levels get too low. Now, there are three main chemicals in the brain that are involved with this, and those are serotonin, norepinephrine, and dopamine. And those names are not particularly important. Uh, But what matters is that you have to get these levels back to whatever your normal has been in order to feel like yourself again. Some people are just born with an innate inability to maintain adequate levels of these chemicals. And in most cases, these people have felt some amount of these symptoms from very early in life. And it's interesting when you treat these people, a lot of times in this particular case, After one or two doses of an antidepressant, they can feel dramatically different and much, much better. And it's a wonderful thing when they come back and they tell you that's happened. When it occurs later in life, though, the cause most often is change. And if you think about change in life or work or living situation, that can be very, very stressful. So people will tell you that the cause is stress, and that's hard to argue. But really what causes this is change. The reason I make the distinction between stress and change is, as I said a minute ago, it's not always bad things. You can be living the good life. But I say all the time, too, that living the good life doesn't happen in a vacuum. You have to maintain the good life. You have to work and try to keep things good, and that's not easy. And anybody that's ever been married knows that. So... Marriage, divorce, death of a spouse, getting a new job, getting fired, all these things are changes in your life. Years ago, and I'm not sure how many, but 75 or 80 probably years ago, there was a psychologist, Dr. Holmes, who examined life events, and he ranked these life events with a certain number of points. He gave 99 points, which was the highest, to death of a spouse, and he ranked different life events all the way down to one or two points. Well, if you look at his ranking, you'd see that getting married was slightly more stressful than getting divorced, and getting a new job was slightly more stressful than getting fired. So that accentuates my point that it's not always bad things in life, it's changes in life that make this happen. So depression, with its psychological symptoms and and feelings and emotions, is a physical illness that has both physical and psychological symptoms. But it's as much a physical illness as any other condition we see. When your serotonin is level, when your serotonin level is low and you feel these symptoms that I've talked about, you might think to yourself, you know, I shouldn't have these feelings. I should be better than that. I should be able to make myself feel better or just 
I'm just not going to be depressed today. I'm just not going to feel this way today. Well, if you take that and extrapolate that to other conditions we treat, let's take diabetes. If instead of talking about serotonin, we were talking about insulin, if your insulin level was low, you'd be diabetic. If your thyroid level's low, you'd be hypothyroid. If your estrogen level's low, you're in menopause and so forth. If your iron level's low, you're anemic, and I could go on and on. But when your serotonin level is low, you're depressed. Well, if you're a diabetic and your insulin level's low, I'm willing to say that no one would ever wake up one morning and think, you know, I'm not going to be a diabetic today. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not going to have diabetes. I'm not going to do that. Because they know it's a physical problem and it has all these other complications and symptoms they can get. But because of the emotion that's, that depression has associated with it, people f- see a serotonin level and this problem as being something they can fix by themselves. And I'm here to tell you, you pretty much cannot do it. Now, I'm sure if you're at the very beginning of this and there's something going on in your life that you can stop or change, then yes, you can, in most cases, prevent something like that. But if you're already depressed, you are very unlikely to get better without someone's help. So I really encourage people all the time to do this. I think it's very important to do it. Realizing all of this goes a long way towards getting better because the longer you delay treatment, the likelihood is you just get worse. One of the most stressful things in life is feeling not like yourself, like you don't want to feel, feeling less than you think you could. And when people do that, it can be a major problem, and they need to see someone so that they can get better. Now, we have a wide variety of medicines that we use for this, and these medicines are incredibly safe. They are effective. For the most part, they're generic. There's certainly some newer ones now that are brand name, and they're a little bit more expensive. But we have a long list of these medicines that are very, very helpful and can really help give you your life back. So I want to take a second and tell everyone that this episode of To Your Health is brought to you by Mara Family Medicine. At Mara Family Medicine, we use technology and old-fashioned attitudes to do our best to take care of you every single day. One of our main objectives when we see you is that we want you to feel better just for the fact that you got to our office and you came to get some help. We do provide a walk-in hour every morning, every weekday from 7.30 to 8.30, but even after that, we can frequently see same-day appointments. And that's our goal is to bring care back to health care in that way at Mara Family Medicine. So treating depression, the chemicals that we're talking about are only located in the brain. These are not chemicals that are floating around in the bloodstream. There's a thing called the blood-brain barrier that keeps them in the brain, and it keeps things in the blood out of the brain. So the first thing you have to realize is we can't measure these levels when you come to the office. There's very, very little science behind treating depression. It's really the art of medicine. It's one of the reasons they call it practicing medicine. So we have to listen to the patient and see how they're feeling and how they're reacting and so forth in order to figure out whether it's the serotonin or dopamine or norepinephrine that is most likely causing their problem. So how do we make you better if we can't measure these chemical levels? How do we make you better? Well, I started practicing in 1985, and lucky for me, in about 1987, the treatment of depression changed forever. 
the introduction of Prozac in 1987 made as big a difference in the treatment of this as anything that I've ever seen. Now, certainly if you're an oncologist, you see huge changes in treatment every day. But when it comes to treating conditions that we see a lot in family medicine, this is one of the biggest changes that we've ever had. Prior to Prozac, we had several medications that were antidepressants, but number one, they weren't terribly effective. And number two, they were fraught with side effects. They just had more side effects than you could count. So Prozac and then the other medicines that followed it being Zoloft, Paxil, Selexa, and Lexapro, these are all medicines that work on serotonin. These things have very low side effects. They're all generic now, so they're affordable. Uh, They're once a day for the most part, and they're just incredibly effective. Now, the way these medicines work is to change how your brain metabolizes these chemicals, whether it's the serotonin or the others, it doesn't matter. We can't, like I said, we can't give you serotonin because it doesn't get across into your brain. Can't give you the other things in oral form because they don't get across into your brain. So we give you these other medications that alter how your brain metabolizes these chemicals. Under periods of stress, your brain basically uses up serotonin too rapidly. It takes it back up and gets it out of the soup of the brain where it does its work. And these medicines block that reuptake of serotonin. In this case, they're called serotonin-specific reuptake inhibitors. And a lot of people that have read anything about these meds know about SSRIs, which is what these are. So you talk to the doctor and you figure out this is probably a serotonin thing, and you start taking medication that hopefully will help to raise that serotonin by making your brain metabolize it better. And in many cases... After a short period of time of taking medication, people realize that they're already better. It can happen, like I said earlier, it can happen in just a couple of days, but that's not the routine. It can happen, though, in a fairly short period of time. And in most cases, in two weeks, people start to see something. One of the first things that they see is that someone else has mentioned to them that they think they're better. You know, something will happen at home and the spouse or partner will say, ooh, That should have really ticked you off, and it didn't. I believe you're better. And when you start taking these medicines, you certainly can have some side effects. Uh, Now, the side effects that people get are, for the most part, very mild, and in many cases, they're transient. So the longer you take the medicine, it's very possible that the less that side effect might bother you. Side effects of these medicines vary. They They can make you tired, or they can make you restless. They can cause some nausea or headache. They can even cause delayed orgasm. But in many cases, the side effects are so mild that they can be managed just by adjusting the dose of the medicine or in some cases changing to another medicine. Now, a lot of patients will feel like this is an unusual thing, and I'll try to encourage them by how many times I see this and talk about this. And as I said at the beginning, it's literally every day that I practice. But I tell patients all the time that if you've got 10 friends Four of them are taking something like this, and three of them probably should be. And they don't get better overnight. Improvement doesn't happen at the blink of an eye. It takes time for the medicine to get in and build up a certain level in your blood so it can get over into the brain and start doing this. And I usually tell people in the first month, if you're not seeing improvement, then you need to come back and we need to talk about changing the dose or potentially changing the medicine, but usually want to change to the dose so that you try the full strength of that medicine before you give up on it.
And people are understandably concerned about taking medication like this. And a lot of times they're just filled with misinformation about these medicines. Um, I tell people these meds are not addicting. They're not mood altering. They're not habit forming. They don't drug test form in the workplace. They are, in most cases, safer than Tylenol. If you and I have a suicide pact and I take 100 Tylenol and you take 100 Prozac, I'm dead from the Tylenol and you took Prozac, you're nauseated for 48 hours. And that's it. They're incredibly safe medications. And people that take them can get their life back. So it's an important thing to do. It's an important thing to to realize. And there's just not a reason not to take the medicines. And and a lot of times a spouse will say, I don't want you taking medicine. I don't want you taking this. But that's, again, that's like not treating diabetes when that's the problem. These medicines make a tremendous difference in how you feel and how you act and react and interact with people around you. Basically, they can give you your life back. The medicines are incredibly safe, affordable. They are what we have in family medicine to treat depression. A lot of times people will say, well, you just want to give me medicine. Well, that's what I have to make things better for people. And in a case like this, I love when they come back and they say, you know, I came in here and I was just so tired. And I felt so bad. And you said I was depressed and I thought you were crazy. And I took your medicine and I absolutely am better. And that's a very rewarding thing for me to hear. That's a very encouraging thing. And I've just helped this person feel like themselves again. So that's a a big deal for me as a family doctor. Now, it's not the only way you can treat this. Uh, Along with medications, there are many other treatment modalities such as therapy, psychotherapy. It can help with depression. It can help people deal with the changes in their life. And if you do deal with those changes, it's very possible that the, those stresses and changes won't have a bad impact on you and on these levels in your brain. But people have a lot of issues ongoing with their lives, and some people are uh, willing to go through therapy and some are not. But if that's something that you have access to and you're willing to do, I'm a big believer in therapy. I think it helps people not only feel better, but also helps them stay better. One of the frustrating things for patients is to recognize this problem and get treatment only to fall right back to the same feelings later on because they felt so normal that they decided, okay, I feel great. I don't need this medicine anymore because it doesn't make you feel artificially good. It just makes you feel normal. And I would never be able to count the number of times people have taken these medications and gotten improvement and taken it for a reasonable period of time, several months, and gotten off of it only to realize two months later that they were right back where they had been. One of the things about patients taking these medicines is that if you take Prozac, for example, and your depression lifts and you feel normal and you take it for a year even, you know, you might get off of it and feel fine ongoing. If you've learned to deal with stresses in your life and situations in your life, then you may very well be perfectly fine without it after that. But if the time comes that you do need it again, I've seen it happen where you get back on the same medication and you just don't get back to as good a feeling as you had the first time. So because these medicines are safer than Tylenol, I really 
encourage people just to stay on them, just to ride this and consider this a condition that they have to control, which it is, much like the diabetic example, and to just go on taking the medicines and enjoy the fact that they can do that and feel normal. So please, if this sounds like this is something that could be affecting you, go see your health care provider. See them sooner rather than later because it's a lot easier to treat this problem when it's a smaller problem than when it gets to be a much larger problem. So that's depression on to your health. And John Ray, my friend, is running the board over here. John, I didn't call you out earlier, and I should have. I apologize for that. How I'm you right doing here today? with you, brother. I'm right here. Good. So no worries. No worries at all. Um, so, hey, we've got a cu- few questions that have come in. Are you ready? Yeah, it's wonderful. So you didn't mention Valium. Talk about where Valium sits in this and well, what, what Valium is, is used for. Well, I didn't mention Valium or any of the other drugs in that class, which is called benzodiazepines. Because actually, in this particular case, they have no place. So this is another misconception. It is. Valium is an anti-anxiety medication. It's a tranquilizer, a nerve pill. Um, And it's a very good medication. It's a very effective medication. But I got to tell you, John, you're telling your age talking about Valium over here. People don't talk about Valium. People talk about Xanax. Well, I'm just relaying the question here. So, you know... uh, that's just my job, right? <laughs> Must have come from your grandfather. <laughs> so Valium and Xanax are, like I said, in a class called benzodiazepines, and they are anxiety medications, and they're very effective. When take, But they are also depressants. So a lot of times people will do exactly what you said. They'll feel depressed. They will take that, and they can actually get worse because they don't really have anxiety. They have depression, and then they take that medicine, and it's a depressant. And they're even less involved in their own life, and they can actually feel worse. So the beauty of these medicines, as I mentioned, is none of them are addicting. The downside to Valium and Xanax is they are some of the most addicting, commonly written prescription medicines in America. Now, yeah, I appreciate you trying to recover from that by saying my grandfather's still alive, (laughs) assuming I'm that young. But uh, anyway, (laughs) speaking of the elderly, I'm summarizing a long question here. So... We've got somebody that's got elderly mom who has lots of changes going on, maybe possibly some loss of memory, trying to figure out how to recognize what's what, what's going on here. Is it depression? Is it just loss of function and that's common with old age? In other words, how do I, how do I determine if depression is a problem for my elderly parent? Well, that's a great question, and a lot of times the elderly get the same symptoms that anyone else did. So they might be excessively tired. They might not want to come over for Sunday dinner. They might not want you to come over. They might not be interacting with their environment like they used to. But also, one thing you mentioned, loss of memory. Depression can cause memory loss, and memory loss can cause depression, so it's a chicken and egg situation. But depression can, can absolutely cause memory loss. And it can also cause other uh, psychiatric problems like delusions even and people and hallucinations. So depending on the degree of depression, and that's a whole different podcast about the different degrees of depression. But when you look at those things, especially in an elderly person, they can have some very glaring psychiatric symptoms, like I mentioned, depression and hallucinations, when in fact one of the biggest things that's starting all of that is that they're depressed. So again, it's a matter of seeing, recognizing that uh, 
there's a problem there and getting them to see the doctor so that they can try to figure that out and get them on some proper medication. So we've got another one here. You mentioned both medication, the different kinds of medications, and therapy. How do I know whether I need medication or whether I need therapy? Well, that's a good question, too. I don't think it would hurt anybody who felt like they were depressed to go with therapy. And depending on the degree and how much it's affected their life and, and their their environment, their relationships, then you might actually decide at the same time to start medication. But I don't think there's a time that I could think of when I would say you shouldn't go to therapy because that's something that's very vastly underused for years and years and years. I had a psychologist that came to my office one or two days a week and saw just my patients, and I kept him very busy one or two days every single week. So therapy is a huge thing, and medication is something that you can do, but everybody that's depressed would benefit from therapy, I do believe. Terrific. So, folks, I, I want to remind you that there's a couple of different ways to send your questions in to Dr. Morrow. You can reach out to him directly uh, on email. It's drjim, uh, shorthand Dr. Jim, D-R-J-I-M, at toyourhealth.md, or on Twitter, at toyourhealthmd. So a couple different ways. And, of course, you can reach out on Facebook or uh, and, and post a question there on Facebook, uh, the To Your Health uh, there as well. That's exactly right. Thank you, John. So I appreciate you listening today. We're going to be back next time with an as-yet-undetermined topic, and that'll be two weeks from now. And in the meantime, that is to your health. Oh,